Welcome to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneurs Podcast. My name is Fergal Byrne. Every week, I talk to inspiring social entrepreneurs and changemakers dedicated to building a better world. Here, they tell their stories, the highs and the lows, and share what they have learned to help other social entrepreneurs and changemakers on their journey. And when I came back to Turkey, I realized that I had been going through that inequality issues all through my life when I was doing my businesses. And by the time I owned a hotel with some partners, and they've been doing that to me for so long, they were trying to suppress me just because I was a woman. And I, at that stage, I said that I'm going to do something for a woman with my girlfriend. And that's how we could start this eight years ago. And ever since then, I've been working like hell to make sure that we sustain ourselves as a real business, but also the social impact is high, which is our whole mission. If they're a social entrepreneur, then I don't see any other skill. The social entrepreneur is a person who has problems with this world. It is a person who accepts the things that they are, then I, I can't see how they can be a social entrepreneur. So once a person has that, then I don't know what else you would need. It depends on the fire in one person. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us today for Inspiring Social Entrepreneurs. And maybe if you could just tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to set up BeFit. I've been doing businesses for quite a long time, since I was 23. At one stage in my life, I decided to go to the United States and study again. I was 38 by the time, and I studied again before I studied business. Uh, this time I studied psychology. And then I realized inequality issues from a new perspective. And when I came back to Turkey, I realized that I had been going through that inequality issues all through my life when I was doing my businesses. And by the time I owned a hotel with some partners, and they've been doing that to me for so long, they were trying to suppress me just because I was a woman. And I, at that stage, I said that I'm going to do something for a woman with my girlfriend. And that's how we could start it eight years ago. And ever since then, I've been working like hell to make sure that we sustain ourselves as a real business, but also the social impact is high, which is our whole mission, like to empower women or help them. And so far, we have 280 women started their own business with BFIT. As we franchise only two women, 700 women are working in BFIT. And so far, to more than 250,000 women exercising in BFIT. The thing is, until BFIT, there was really no place for women to go and work out with the machines and so on. Uh, because middle to low income women, cannot go to co-ed gyms because it's not okay in our culture. So uh, all the gyms so far were co-ed. With BFIT, we changed it and created locations, clubs for women where they can come and be as they are and they don't have to ask for permission from the men to go there. And the majority of the people who've done exercise They've exercised for the first time in their life. And I believe that exercise is a very strong tool 
because then a woman can be on their own and figure out that she actually owns a body and a mind and time just for her own use. Now uh, we have 240 pieces. Each pieces has to do some social activities as well as exercise so they can add something new to the woman's life. They're giving out seminars, doing activities together and so on. It's a great success story. You mentioned the social activities that are connected to each of the gyms. Some people have the view that creating employment has a significant form of social impact. How did you and how do you think about that question of social impact and how have you thought about including that in your model? Of course, I do. To create or empower people economically is very, very important. I, I also believe that it's the most important thing. But then, when you give them that notion of having their own economical means, still, for women, it's not going to be the only thing to empower themselves through economical means. They would also want to feel that they are useful for other people. So by doing these kind of extra activities, our visit owners feel more fulfilled. And also the impact is bigger because these women, as well as doing exercise, are also learning about new things, which might also help them to change their lives. Right, absolutely. So you tell me at the very beginning when you had this idea, I'm sure lots of people said, what are you thinking? This has never been done. This can't work. Yeah, sure. This of won't course. succeed. Can you tell me when you have an idea that it, that inspires you and you think this would be an amazing idea, what are the steps necessary to take a, a great idea and actually get it going on the ground? The first thing I do is I don't talk to lots of people about it. I just choose the people that I want to and uh, it's other than my partners, it's either two or three people, not more than that. So then, if there are any people who are going to be negative about it, I don't have to hear about it. Even though I don't listen to people, I listen to my targets. So uh, we do lots of surveys before we start any type of business to understand what they really need and how they want to hear about it. Then I start moving on. I believe in the lean startups. Do something and then you fine-tune it. But before I do it, we do lots of research. We start with a good model. But of course, it's not the final model. And I never believe in the final models because everything can be done in a better way. And then go on and, for example, if we beat it, we open three clubs ourselves in different socioeconomic status places, locations. We tried it with some people, and then uh, we gave one franchise. We tried franchising to the friend of ours. Then we started franchising, but we still try to fine-tune our model. So it's a never-ending story. Right, right. Do you think that that's an important way of approaching things, this kind of questioning, uh, asking questions, and not assuming uh-huh. the answers? It's a particular... Yes, I believe that, definitely. I'm all for scientific approach by asking, having an hypothesis is good, but then we have to have a research on that so we can start something on it. Yes. So what have been one or two of the biggest challenges that you've faced mm-hmm. as you've built BFIT? The first one is 
we don't have a legal framework as a social enterprise. So people still cannot understand what we do. And they try to see things behind it, even though there isn't anything behind it. But they can't get the model. Why is this an incorporation? Why are they making money, but still don't use that money for the stakeholders, but to empower women? Why would anyone do that? Uh, why isn't this an NGO? Those kind of questions really make people afraid, because there is no such model which is designed as a social enterprise in Turkey yet. This is one of the challenges. The other thing is, of course, our franchises are all women, and women do not have money in Turkey. That's the problem. I mean, uh, yes, they can get microcredit, but then this is a real business. And if you are an SME, if you go to a bank, they ask for collateral, and only 8% of all the collateral in Turkey belong to women. So majority of the time, they don't have money. So we have to finance them in some ways, but we don't have the resources to do it, so it's very hard for us to do it. If we had money, then it would have been easier to finance them. Or if they were in the bank to help us out, it would be much easier. We can't find that. Was there ever a moment where you thought, this isn't going to work, or I really don't know? No, 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 no. Everything I start, uh, I believe that it's going to work. If it doesn't work on the way, there must be something that needs to be changed. I try to find it, change it, and go on. Do you think managing a, a social enterprise is different from running a conventional business? Of what what are what are the challenges? Yes, it is. Yes, it, it is uh, kind of uh, interesting. But the uh, just for money business, we have our social mission to look after, and sometimes it interferes with the notion of sustaining ourselves. Because, for example, let's say we can sell products which are not really useful but make lots of money out of it. But are we going to do it? If we do it, we are going to make money and sustain, sustain ourselves. But then we are going to give a, a message to women which is not empowering at all but actually taking their power out of them. So sometimes being a real business the needs of being, being a real business and uh, the needs of being a social uh, enterprise might interfere with each other. Also, sometimes we confuse ourselves at work whether to act like a like an NGO or whether to act like a, a business. So it's sometimes uh, so we have to remind ourselves lots of times more than any other company what we are doing, what's our aim. What's our goal and action plan? We have to remind ourselves more so we don't confuse each other. What about marketing the business? Has that been important? What's worked for you? Yeah, it's been easy, really, because our clientele is women and we talk. We do it really good. Word of mouth marketing is really top of a lot. So how have things changed in Turkey since you first set out on, on your journey? You mentioned how little known the social business model is. Do you see that potential for social entrepreneurship in Turkey? Yes, there is, because now people are aware of it. So we are passing the awareness stage. And once we pass that stage, then I know that there are going to be more research, uh, more action. If there is one institution who can 
can get investment as a social enterprise, then it's going to be easy. Because in Turkey, when one person does it, then it becomes passion. So we are make, uh, looking for one investor who is going to invest in a social enterprise, and then it's going to come. How have you funded the BFIT? Have you looked for external investors? No, we've been self-funding. Right. Is it a challenge finding funding in Turkey? For a social enterprise, yes, it's impossible at the moment. There is no, no, there is not one single example. Right, right. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> the next step. I mean, it's something that's changing in a lot of countries, I think, but it's slow to change. Yeah, but it is. So it's going to come to Turkey as well, I believe that. Yes. What about your own group of support when you set out up in the beginning? Did you have mentors? Did you have helpers? Did you have people that supported you? And do you think that's an important part of building a social business? I, we were six women to start. And uh, so we were also uh, a big group. We shared a lot of things. And it was easier. Majority of the companies, when they are one person or two people, then it's not that, that might not be that easy. When it comes to mentorship, we don't have any mentorship. Does it help? Yes, I see that it helps, as long as people are incubated as well, while being given mentorship. We have ourselves as six women. And also we have good colleagues that we work with, right? They believed in the mission. And they acted like as if they were partners. So that part wasn't that hard for us. Right. What do you think it takes? What kind of qualities does it take? What questions should a, a, an aspiring social entrepreneur ask? And what kind of skills should they think about developing? If they are a social entrepreneur, then I don't see any other skill. Because social entrepreneur is a person who has problems with this world. It is a person who accepts the things that they are, then I, I can't see how they can be a social entrepreneur. So once a person has that, then I don't know what else you would need. It depends on the fire in one person. Having a passion and being very, very determined. Because, I mean, you had reached a stage, you'd already a successful business, you, you know, been running for, for a while. You know, what we're seeing around the world is, you know, people leaving university, young people, quite a movement. People really committed to, to making a change, building uh, a better world. Clearly, passion and determination. And also, they need to know themselves. Once a person know, really know herself, acknowledge herself or himself, then it might be easier to be either a social entrepreneur or an entrepreneur. Or somebody else, I don't know, somebody, an employee. For a person to be a social entrepreneur, the intensity mm. of the uh, problem for her is most important. If it's not really a matter for him or for her, then I can't see how they can be a social entrepreneur. So what about the people you employ and the people you take on at the early stages? What were you looking for? What kind of people did you try and recruit? Again, I uh, look at problematic people. If they are normal, I don't see how I can work with them. What do you mean by... <laughs> what, no, I understand. What, what do you mean by problematic people? Those people 
they need to have issues about life. If they don't have issues about life, it's not easy. But of course, when we choose our uh, accountant, uh, it might not be that important that she has issues about life. But it is most important uh, when we are choosing a person or recruiting the person for our marketing department. We have to look vis-a-vis. Right? If we uh, don't understand each other when we talk, then it's not going to be easy to give the same messages. Right, right. So would you prioritize hiring people with passion over people with, with skills? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Skills are teachable. However, uh, it's not easy to teach passion. Frame of mind. And yeah. Do you meet people who want to be social entrepreneurs? Do you talk to people? Do you do you come across sure. them? Yeah, yeah, always, always. I try to mentor people. I, I go and give speeches. I talk to people who want to talk to me. I go to meetings about social entrepreneurship. As much as I can do, I do. Yes. What is your sense of, you know, how it's progressing in Turkey particularly? How realistic are people? How good a picture do they have of what's going on and what the potential is? It's new yet. We are just still passing the awareness stage of what it means to be a social entrepreneur and also that social entrepreneurs can be founded. So what inspires you? Who, who inspires you? Since childhood, uh, it was important in our family to read, to ask questions, to accept people as they are still, and uh, I mean to have respect for other people, but still have the respect to our own passions, so we can go after it. I didn't know any other way. What about the women who built the franchises and are succeeding? And what what are you seeing there? How are these women's lives being changed? Oh, a lot, majority of the time. It's not possible that it's not going to change for a person once they touch pieces because we also bombard them with lots of information which they didn't, which they weren't aware of before. Also, we meet with them regularly, do lots of trainings. Another thing which is most important is they see that they change lives of other women through exercise and through social activities. Yes, yes. What are you doing differently today, or what would you do differently if you were just beginning, setting out in your journey? Maybe I would have started in another country, then come to Turkey, so people would look up to it from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I, it might be, but I don't know. Because I believe that every experience can only be lived. I can't fantasize about it. I don't know. Maybe by the time if it happens, I wouldn't be able to do it. Yes. You mentioned this question of passion and drive and so forth. What about patience? Because it does seem sometimes that some of these challenges are are huge and to really try and get some tractions, get people, communicate, educate, have social change. Uh It's it's a Uh pretty uh, long-term process. I think I'm very patient. I also believe that I'm impatient, but in a way I am patient because I can I can hang on to until I see the result that I want. So that's part of that kind of determination that just to keep going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So what do you say to other social entrepreneurs about being persistent, just keep going, because you can meet some pretty <laughs> formidable roadblocks along the way? Yes. The first thing and the last thing I would say is know thyself. If you are not that cracked, maybe it might not be the way to go, being a social entrepreneur. What, what do you mean? It is very lonesome sometimes and very hard sometimes. One has to light her or his own fires and don't expect from anything from out to have to light that fire. If that person know herself or himself and know the values and created something according to that, then they can go on. Otherwise, they might stop on the road. So that's why I'm saying that it has to be something that's compatible with their passion, that are very strong for, for her or for him. If it's not that strong, I would recommend not to start it. <laughs> What's your vision for BeFit over the next few years? BeFit is going to go on, I'm hoping. Social part is going to be my main focus. We are piloting a program, creating each BeFit as a, a community center where women come together and solve some problems of their own communities. We are piloting that. We, um, we are going to figure out a way to make it as a model so we can all through Turkey. I'm thinking that's going to be important for this uh, future. Uh, also, we want to go on to uh, education a bit, vocational training. We are piloting that as well. We uh, started up a started at an NGO in a village, and we are educating, training uh, village women so they can do businesses and start uh, and make money. So these are going to be the issues. In the meantime, uh, we, are, uh, we keep talking to institutions, uh, founders, investors, uh, banks, so they can fund women. And I'm sure we are going to find a solution. It doesn't mean that we are not going to find a solution even though we didn't, we haven't in eight years. I'm hopeful on that. So this is my vision. Excellent, excellent. I'm just going to ask you a question which I probably should have asked you earlier and I'll move it in the interview. <laughs> I spoke to uh, Ian McMillan, who's a professor at Wharton, who's written this book called The Social Entrepreneur's Playbook. Okay. He's a professor at Wharton um, University okay. in America uh, and he's written a book uh -huh. called The Social Entrepreneur's Playbook. And it's about, it's lots of frameworks and tools to help social entrepreneurs build successful, sustainable social businesses. But one of the things uh -huh. he talks about a lot is the, the forces that sustain the status quo. So that if you want to bring in fresh water, for example, to an area or something like that, there is often some part, somebody in the community that is that that has something to lose, maybe that uh, may be providing some other kind of uh, drinks or, or lower quality uh, water or, or what have you. That change can produce reaction from you know, people who've got something to lose. And I imagine when you're, you know, working liberating women, that there are, you know, some forces that would try and slow that down or just be, you know. Uh, averse to that. How did you go about dealing with that? It happens all the time. I mean, all change brings opposition because then, uh, people 
uh, are not going to be about it because they are going to be afraid of the change. However, when I look at it, yeah, there it was only the Ministry of Sports who were not that happy because they didn't have the, they didn't know this kind of exercise. We had to make sure that they understood, and it took us two years for them to understand this new program. That was the only thing. Other than that, as I don't talk to people a lot, I don't hear about the negative things. And also, I'm very confrontational. So, so if anyone tells me something negative, then I can ask them a question which would make them think. There were people who said that it's not going to be possible to continue, but I don't give any credit to those folks. So I'm not So do you think that having a positive outlook and a positive way of looking at things is important for social entrepreneur? Yes, uh, it's the general philosophy that uh, the social, it's good for social entrepreneurs to have, which is that anything is doable. Let's see how we are going to do it. What are you proudest of? What's your, been your proudest moment? Ah, oh, yeah, we have our meetings. That, uh, uh, every year we have a franchise meeting and uh, all the recent uh, women franchises come together for two or three days and when I see them uh, sitting there uh, and that lot of fire in their eyes, that's the moment that brings tears to my eyes. Excellent. Thank you for sharing your experience and I'm my sure... My pleasure. Thank um, you for helping us. To spread the message. Yes. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneur Podcast. I hope you found this interview inspiring. Please make sure to visit www.inspiringsocialentrepreneurs.com and subscribe to make sure you don't miss any future podcasts.